Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. How are we doing today, Simon? I'm doing great, Baxter. How about yourself? Not too bad. I got Although, a little bit more sleep than I usually do. Well, that's do, good. So good. I'm, I'm glad that I'm not looking at you through tired eyes, finally. I do got to say, I'm, I'm a little flustered with my Everton club right now. I would be flustered, too, if I was an Everton fan. That's why I'm not an Everton fan. But well, also Roberto Martinez fan, comes so. out and says uh, that, they're, that they are not uh, underachieving this year, and I'm just, but yet at the same time, he talks about all the talent the team what has. What does he define as underachieving, I Well, guess. he's either being dishonest or he's disillusioned. I'm not sure. Well, I've heard uh, rumors that he might get uh, reassigned next well, year. Well, I think it's getting to be that point. Would you get rid of him at this point? I think you'd have to with the talent that the team does have, and they're still on the bottom of the table. Getting rid of Tim Howard this summer, too, but, I mean, that's not much of a loss right now for everyone. No, fans, no, honestly, it's not. Though. Well, uh, we're excited to be here for another edition of Two Up Front. We've got some exciting guests coming up for you today. We'll be joined later on in the program by Vavil USA uh, editor Chris Blakely to help us recap the exciting opening weekend of NWSL. I know I actually was able to watch three out of the five games and awesome. uh, forgot how much I missed the league as well. It was a lot of exciting action. So we'll talk to Chris later on in the program, and I will be joined in just a little bit as well by Marquette University head coach Louis Bennett as well, too. So uh, for our Milwaukee, our local soccer spotlight, as we like to do as well. Yeah, and we also have, we'll have his assistant here as well, Sean Hughes, who uh, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, MLS versus soccer in England versus soccer in Australia. That'll be a fun topic. Yeah, so we're excited to have both of those gentlemen join us here in just a little bit. But we want to take a minute to remind all of you that you can find us on Fridays on Sports Radio America from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time by going to sportsradioamerica.com or tuning in on the TuneIn app as well. And you can also always find us on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com as well. Yeah, and of course we're on Facebook, 2 Up Front. We're on Twitter, at 2 Up Front Soccer. He's at Baxter Colburn. I'm at Simon Provan. You can email us to upfrontsoccer at gmail.com as well. Yes, indeed. So we are excited to, to get about to all the soccer action. We've got some, uh, some MLS news to get to a little bit later. I'm curious to, to plug your brain a little bit about Simon with uh, Don Garber saying, and we're going to expand even farther now. So yes. uh, we'll see what, we get, what, what happens with that aspect of it. So, but we are going to bring in our guests right now in our first segment for Marquette University, head coach Louis Bennett and his assistant, Sean. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. How are we doing today? Good, good. Thanks, Baxter. Thanks, Simon, for having me on, us on. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we are excited. Uh, For those that follow the soccer scene here in the Milwaukee area, Marquette is is the name. You get an opportunity to figure out, you know, what it's like to to be a Golden Eagle. I know 
uh, growing up when I was a young kid. I, I had aspirations of playing for the Golden Eagles and then realized that uh, I enjoyed doing broadcasting a little bit more as well at the end of the day and, and realized that's where my true talent actually allied, to be more honest about it. But we're excited to have you guys here. Uh, such a historic program, especially in the time that you've been there, uh, Louis. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, your tenure here so far with the Golden Eagles. Um, well, obviously, I think from the day I walked in, we had I had an, had an idea of how we wanted to play the game, how we wanted to represent the school, how, the brand of soccer, and with whom were we going to be able to do that, and what we would need to do to achieve that. College soccer is a moving target because every year you're going to lose. You're more experienced, and possibly you're more dedicated, or certainly you're, you're more. Um, uh, mature players so then you have to rebuild so if you don't have a brand or a style sometimes it becomes a huge roller coaster uh, and I, th I thought that probably the first four f four years we were trying to stabilize the program in the in the mold of uh, our vision once we stabilized the program we managed to put some really good seasons together and obviously as you said we had one of the best seasons or the best season we've ever had in history winning a big east tournament and league and then going on to the sweet 16 get beaten by virginia etc cetera, etc cetera. had a little blip last year you know with uh, big injuries and stuff and we've brought in a lot of people now uh new people uh two foreign uh three local early so we've had them hmm. in the spring Still with the same brand, but trying to retune things and readapt things so that uh, we look like ourselves, but with slightly different personnel. I use the analogy only yesterday is we kind of give guys an off uh, an off the rack suit, and it would be up to them to make the suit feel good. So you've got to customize it. Oh, and okay. I think it's a, a good analogy. Well, it's a, it's a mistake for us to think that we can customize a man's suit. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how he likes it fit. I mean, exactly. If, if you have the money, you go and have a, a a suit made for you, right? And you tell the tailor exactly what it is. But when you bring all these guys in, we give them a blue suit, a blue or a gold suit. Hey. And, <laughs> and then they have to say, "Well, I got this suit, but I want it to be mine. I mm -hmm. want it to be part. I want it to be blue. I want it." to be gold. I want to be part of that theme. I want to be part of that brand. I appreciate what they do. I liked. I like it. You don't go to Marquette and want to play territorial. You don't want to play, you know, uh, up to a target, scramble and run, mm -hmm. kick and run. You don't. You can't come to Marquette and want to play that because you won't get a suit that fits that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so... so so over the last couple of years, we've had the opportunity, you know, as, as uh, coaches move on, I mean, uh, Steve Bodie mo moved on just this recently. We've had a great opportunity to bring in other coaches, and Marquette has been really uh, good about us helping find staff. And finding Sean, who is a head coach in a Division Two program, is now opened, I think, our horizons to bringing people in, not just local, although that is the focus. We try to get the best local players here, uh, and then the regional, and then the national, and then the international. And I think uh, uh, Sean is, is helping us... Um, tighten that net loop uh, on all of those, all the mm. pre-mentioned. Pre Absolutely. Well, you talked a little bit about your spring season so far. I mean, you're just, you've had a couple of games already under your belt, too. So as a head coach, what are you looking at with your guys of what they've done so far? You still have a couple of games remaining. You've got two games left. You take on the Milwaukee Torrent this Saturday, and then you play uh, the Badgers of UW-Madison on April 30th as well. But you've gotten a couple of games under your belt so far. So from a head coaching perspective, you haven't gotten your new freshman in or any of that stuff yet really for next year, but how do you feel about your, your guys so far after the season you had to where you're at right now? Good, good. I, I think uh, the first game we play is in, um, you know, it was in f February, and it's basically we're doing a futsal program, and then we go to play 
down in Chicago on a full field. So our expectations that we would just get our outdoor feet indoor yeah. sounds crazy, mm, doesn't it? Yep. You get your outdoor feet indoor. That's so, true. But but that was a, a show and tell. You know, and we had to know, and we we knew we would be good at some things and not good at others. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything tactically, and then the next set of games, we had two games on uh, one day. One was in three feet of snow, but we played, and that showed us quite a bit. And then we pl- it cleared up by the evening, so we played Green Bay in the morning and then Parkside in the in the um, evening, irrespective of the results, which were f- quite favourable to us. Mm-hmm. What I was more impressed with was the. The, we do have five new guys in now, and we're bringing another five in in August. The fusion between the guys we had, there was a uh, for me, there was a positive um, feel. We talked a lot about our spirit and you know the courage to do do the right thing and our, and our soul and the spirit of the soul you have to develop because, like I said, you lose some of the major contributors contributors to that and that that was pretty good and then we played uwm which was it was a little spicy a little aggressive (laughs) to be expected but it's exactly what we needed because again it was on not a beautiful day and uh neither team would allow anything and we had to use we used eight freshmen either freshmen that played in the in the uh in the fall and then the the new guys. Wow, okay. And, and so we, we looked really... Give you a true test to see what you absolutely. had. Absolutely. We looked unfamiliar with the with the, uh, with the the personnel, but I saw signs, and the other coaches, I think Sean would agree, I saw signs of Marquette, even though it was with unfamiliar faces, which is a good is a good step. I mean... Absolutely, yeah. That's what you want to see. Yeah, Sean, I'd like to bring you in here, um, rather than just having you listen to us chat. <laughs> 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 uh, but you come from a Division Two program, and you've yep. been with a couple of Division Two programs that are pretty much powerhouses in Division Two soccer, uh, college-wise. Uh, you were at Quincy as a full-time assistant. And well, I'm reading here as I'm talking. You're trying to sound smart. And Maryville University. What's the? I don't know if you've had enough time to to see the biggest difference between Division Two college soccer versus Division One, but love for you to speak on that. Yeah, um, uh, Division Two is uh, maybe the the schedule is not as intense in terms of the the resources and the 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 ability to to bring guys in in the morning and then also in the afternoon. Um, obviously, you were working with high-level players here at Division One, Two. Um, the Division Two model that I was used to was two games a week, also. So you play Friday, Sunday, Friday, Sunday. Uh, we're in a position where we don't have that, and the schedule that we've tried to make uh, allows us to concentrate more to build players through the the week. Sometimes at Division Two, you just maintain and you're just patching things up and then and then playing the games. Um, but what what but what we're looking at, sorry, um, really is getting the schedule as a periodization technique to allow us to perform our best every weekend, every Saturday or every Wednesday. Uh, and the resources and learning from, obviously, Louis, uh, Marcelo is already there. Um, the standard so far has, has opened my eyes a little bit in terms of you know video analysis, um, the scientific part that is more associated with a higher level. Uh, Division 2, you're bringing players in. Um, the focus is a little bit more balanced in terms of what we can do with them. Uh, but so far, I've really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting into the muck and bullets of the, the upcoming fall. It's a one thing you brought up was player development, and obviously, that's that's a hot topic right now with MLS with the U.S. national team, and you know, where does where does the college game fit in that? So, I'm wondering if we can broaden our horizons, not just speaking about Marquette, but just college soccer as a whole, where where you see college soccer fitting in that equation. Well, it's hard to justify that. 
first and foremost, college soccer now is not what college soccer was in the 80s and mm -hmm. 90s. So a lot of the experienced players that are in the MLS that may be passing judgment quite rightly on what was going on in those is not going on now. We do have a spring season. We do, um, we, we can coach these guys. Is it limited? Absolutely. And is it perfect? No, it's not. So I feel there is, because of the tradition and because of the product that you produce at the end. I mean, let's not f forget Harry Ship and Dylan Powers were MLS Rookies of the Year. Well, they mm -hmm. spent four years of their life at institutions. That, you know, the institution is a four-year school. And now you've got a well-rounded human being that is also a professional soccer player. I would probably say the maintenance of those players in terms of preparation and focus and having a job is not the same as someone that might not have gone there. Now, I've got to watch. Obviously, I want to use the words correctly. I'm a proponent of having a, having us in a split season. Hmm. You know, that's there's been a lot of rumors. There's been a lot mm -hmm. of talk. Yeah, of we've heard those talks for a while. And that would allow us to continue the periodization that we have of playing one game a day, one game a week, with just maybe in a season only have a midweek game, hmm. so that the squad that we carry uh, could be uh, utilized with greater efficiency and we wouldn't be putting guys at a little bit of an injury risk. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're doing a lot about chronic load. You know, when you go from doing nothing to a lot, you've mm -hmm. got a chance of being injured. Oh, yeah. Well, when you could never prepare for a game, really, Friday, Sunday, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the physiologists are saying, hey, if you play a soccer game, it takes you 48 hours to recover from that. And if you play a game within that 48 hours, it actually takes you 72 hours to fully recover <sighs> from two games. Wow. So, I mean, we play Wednesday and Saturday. It really kind of, it's not so smooth in terms of the econo economics mm -hmm. and the actual logistics of planning a season. But we've actually dropped down to 16 games now. So... The, in order to do that, if that was gone and we could practice, you know, and do our full week, we could give, you know, the rest with the recovery sessions and we would be able to form a model that would be similar to what the pros would prefer. Then you've got, uh, we could be part, fully part of the pyramid and we wouldn't need, we, we would probably forego some of that battering that we get from the professional programs. Some people do like, I mean, some people accept and, and do appreciate what college does. And I think that's an ever-growing thing. Um, but I see a day that if college doesn't change uh, or doesn't move to a more expansive uh, uh, season, we may land up losing some of the best homegrown. I mean, we've got seven homegrown players, potential mm -hmm. homegrown players on our team, and uh, they've chosen to come to college because they didn't think they'd be picked up. Hmm. And they wanted a good education, etc., etc. Yeah, et et All the benefits one, of playing college. And that's one thing you hear, too, a lot about. I think athletes forget about it, especially if they're very talented. They go, they play professional, and then they're... They're done by, yeah. you know, 30, 35, if you're fortunate to, you know, have your body stay in shape that long. And then it's like, oh, I still have 40, 50, 60 years of my <laughs> life left. What am I going to do and, now? And, and MLS is not in a place where every player is making millions no. of dollars. No, where, exactly. Where you can be set up for life. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I would have never, I mean, I played a, a short... Uh, short, sharp, battering ram of a career for seven years indoors, and there was no way I, I wouldn't have to work. I mean, uh, right. mm -hmm. afterwards, and uh, I think you're right, Simon. That the MLS, you're not going to make a fortune. Not where yet, you, at least. You could, not yet. 
I mean, there may be a few, but I don't know if we're going to get to that point right mm-hmm. now. I mean, we're trying to make a league on a continent. You know how difficult that it is. is. Yeah. And the on travel a huge and the expense on, on a huge continent. Now, television contracts, et cetera, et cetera. And, and um, I mean, I'm so proud of how U.S. soccer has grown. I mean, when I came, I couldn't find, when I was signed by Kansas City, I couldn't find soccer on the television, in mm. the newspaper. There was one. I think it was Toby Charles made in America. And it was some, <laughs> some, yeah. so, so a German, and I'd never seen German soccer ready, you know, league soccer coming yep. from England. And it was maybe once a week or once every two you weeks. You mentioned and that before. Well, I, I think you. Simon, wasn't it on like It was on PBS. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PBS. So, so yeah. and now, and obviously going through a period of when there was no professional outdoor soccer, I had, I had to play indoor soccer. Now there's an array of, of leagues right now that you can, if that's your fancy, you can go in. But none of them you can justify if you do get a chance to go to college or very few of them in not going to college first. Maybe if you're number one draft choice or you're the top player mm-hmm. in MLS, you know, uh, homegrown, maybe that's the choice to go to college or not to go to college and go. But for, I would say, still 95%, what are you doing? You are padding your back pocket with a degree mm-hmm. that will help you exactly. should things not go as planned because you're not in control of your destiny. Is it, and I don't want to get you in trouble. Is it? Is it a matter of just the NCAA not understanding the nuances of soccer? Because they basically run college football like the NFL runs football. They yeah. basically run basketball well, like the NBA. Well, they do because, I mean, even looking at this, I mean, Turner and uh, TBS and CBS Sports just signed an $8.8 billion contract just for the NCAA tournament. For so the they tournament can have itself, the rights right. for the next, you know, I think it's 15 years. So, I mean, there's millions and billions of dollars of money out there, but at the same time, it's for the sports that are popular. I, I think as the evolution of soccer up to the, up to five years ago, six years ago, maybe ten years ago, when the when the MLS started, was not didn't give you a, a big, uh, broad picture of what a soccer player does. Now we've got that. I think uh, you know the the. NCAA is investigating what's being said and you know the people that deal with the the medical aspects student welfare they're, they're, they are listening and they are listening and, and I think that um, you know in the next couple of years there, there's going to be a pressure point where people are going to realize hey if you want soccer and you want quality soccer we might want to have to spread it out you know and my, my hope would be that they would choose to do two seasons instead of take more games away and just play it in the, right. in the spring because sure. we, we would then probably I my belief chop off another 10% or 11% of guys that really should go to college first well, that's, would probably not do it and then just do part-time. And that's ultimately the worry, right, is that college soccer does become irrelevant. And we, yeah. and we and you don't want that. And we have a unique opportunity in this in this country, unlike England where, you know, you've got basically just the academies. I mean, from what I understand, you don't go to college to try to get no. you know, <laughs> noticed for soccer. No. But, but here, that, that culture still exists, and I think we need to take advantage of it. I think one of the things with it, too, is if you look at the, the NFL model and the NCAA college football, the seasons are pretty comparable, you know, in terms of the length. Now, if you look at professional soccer with a college season, you know, the, the professional soccer season can run eight to ten months. A college mm-hmm. season, unfortunately, is still pigeonholed into one semester. It's either a fall or a spring sport. Um, and with that, really, it ties the hands of the coaches. You know, you're trying to develop players, whether it's a homegrown talent that maybe 18 isn't quite ready to make the step into the MLS, but you're hoping that after four, maybe four and a half years of the college program, if he takes the right path, does the right things, the, the chance is still there at 22, mm-hmm. 23, whatever it might be. 
Um, and I, I feel that, and you compare apples to apples, if you try and pigeonhole college soccer into one semester and you expect to produce players that can play in MLS or play for a national team, when the rest of the world is going eight to ten months in that same time, you're really holding yourself back. No, I'd agree with you on that one, too. And that's one thing that we always see. I mean, you talk about guys that, you know, like Freddie Adu, that, you know, was 14 all of a sudden. He didn't even go to college, and he was, you know, hailed and allowed like, oh, the best new thing since PLA sign him. Or even you see guys like Christian Pulisic right now, who's out. He's 17 years old, you know, from Hershey, Pennsylvania, now playing for the Bundesliga at Borussia Dortmund. And I think Americans especially are just so hungry for that next Landon Donovan, that next Clint Dempsey. And it's like, we've got all these guys that are playing Division One soccer. Why aren't we producing more talent? Why aren't we producing more talent? When we flip it over, and I know this is, you know, like you said, apples to apples at times, though, too, but you'll even look at the women's game. They have almost mastered that, you know, look, you play four years of college, you go through the draft, you play in the NWSL if you're really good, you play for the national team. And we've seen so many ladies do that now, up-and-comers like Morgan Bryan and even Tobin Heath is, and Alex Lewis. Morgan as well, yeah. Sam Mewis. You see these ladies that are going through the system and I know the men's game is vastly larger and I, and I get that but at the same time though it's interesting to see especially in a, in a, in a big continent like you mentioned Louis like America it's, it's hard to you know, I think the big thing we always hear though too is like I feel like we're missing people we're, we're missing people I think you might, we are missing people that I, but I also think that there are some unbelievably creative coaches at the college level yeah. that use the time they have with the players so efficiently I mean, I'm really surprised that Tony Sana, Brian McBride, these exactly. are people that have gone four years at an institution, and they were the pioneers to going over, some of the pioneers, mm-hmm. going over to Germany to play with Tony Sana, and then Brian McBride playing in the, and not just playing in the EPL, being a pretty significant player. Absolutely. He's um, got a bar named after him for crying out loud. <laughs> well, it takes a lot you know? for that, yeah. <laughs> but if you look, that, that there are some... Even some mentors of mine were uh, college coaches because, as I mentioned, the spring is not a dead period for us. We actually teach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. that's the – I'm talking about a split season. There are some coaches that would miss – the teaching period of our of the college setup, we get to strip it right down to mm. the bare, to the mm. basics. I mean, I, I was listening to uh, David Check. It was describing about preparation and so that you can prepare for moments and difficult moments over time. You see again and again, and that gives experience. And if you does anything new does come up, what you have then is to is to rely on your uh, your basic training instincts you know if you see something new okay oh i haven't had had this before you rely on your basic training uh, instincts that's what we do in the spring Mm -hmm. we strip it all down and if someone's got a a technical tactical maybe a mental emotional deficiency or what we see is a weakness we get time to work on that as a as a full-time guy Sometimes you they won't allow you to work on those things mm-hmm. too deeply. You've got to do it on your own. Yeah. You're either good enough or you're not. Or, and if mm. you're not good enough, you get passed down the levels. That's where college can help the late developer. You know, and I was, you know, I was a late developer. I think in my career, I was a much, much better player. You know, when I'd gone out of my teens and gone through puberty and had all that thing going on, that college gave me an unbelievably breath of fresh air there Mm. were very there were fewer questions that I had about myself about my was I going to be either big enough or was I going to be tough enough and and that really gave me a buffer and college given even more tools in terms of time 
will, will you will see so many people that we don't catch. One of the, the leading goal scorer in the English Premier League nearly slept slipped through the net. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Jamie right. Vardy was That's playing right. a, such a low level. Right. I think uh, when Sean left the United, the, the UK, uh, he and I had both played at a higher level than Jamie Vardy. Mm. Uh, was starting. That's That's incredible. It is unbelievable that the decision in most European countries is made, you know, 16, potentially 18. You can come to college at 18 and you can grow maybe still, you know, physically. You can change Mm -hmm. a lot within 18 to 22. And uh, I think that's one part of the model that that does really help because Mm -hmm. you're bringing guys in with still the opportunity to become a, a soccer player, professional soccer player, but they're also getting the education part two to fall back on. And I don't know if uh, the European system really advocates that so much. You know, a lot of guys that are 18 are cut out on the heap and, you mm-hmm. know, it's, you're out of luck, basically. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. And that's what we see so many times in all, I think, college sports, especially if, they're a, if they were considered a, a good player in high school too. If they go and they play that freshman year and they don't get as much playing time as they, as they think that they deserve and they're like, wow coach obviously doesn't value me as a player I don't want to you know I'm going to go somewhere else and then they take a step down or whatever but it's those players that actually are willing to put in that time and that effort and be like look I don't care if I play a minute or if I play every single game I want to be here I want to get better and I'm sure guys like that for you Louis are very important that you want on your team absolutely we we can soften the blow of the first big disappointment Mm -hmm. because you've got school and you've got trying to be something bigger than yourself a lot of times when we get players in our model it's a pay-to-play model uh, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. The first big disappointment is they don't make a travel squad. Yeah. Or, or they're they're twenty-eighth on the roster when they thought they would be, you know, one to one to eleven. Yeah. We can soften that blow because it's not you're not good enough and sorry we're bringing in the next batch of young pro- yes. professionals. Yep. It's okay. Let's work with you as long as you're prepared mm-hmm. to accept that and as long as you be able to go. We don't have that same. If you bring in an MLS guy. And he's been with an MLS program. They, they they push players down to their lower ranks all the time and mm. bring them up. You know the the the, the homegrown guys. Yep. So that they have probably had a disappointment. But my worry sometimes is about those disappointments that you have. You know, exactly. And, and the, the time to go. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, Simon's Simon's clan, the Provan clan, <laughs> all, all playing. No, I mean, all playing college, yep. and and they went through the bumps and bruises and uh, had success through mm-hmm. the college system and all had or had opportunity mm-hmm. to go on and, and for me is okay so that's a model that don't rip the model up and throw it away exactly understand it and let's face it even the best and brightest there are some parents that will say you need a college degree mm-hmm. as i say so if you fall on your derriere <laughs> you've got that big pad and it's called my degree exactly which you won't have i think just to add to louis there as well you know, the guys that you're bringing into to college, especially at the level that we're looking, they're usually the best players within their team to start with. So now you're piecing it together. They understand straight off the bat that, mm-hmm. hey, there's going to be 28 guys. You might have been the superstar in your club, your high school, wherever you were playing. Now you've got to compete. And before anything's laid out to them and they get to the, you know, become part of the team, they understand from the outset that nothing's going to be given to them. Exactly. And if we don't get that from them, they're probably not the kind of player that mm-hmm. we want to bring into the program because it's not going to work. So it's really important that when we're recruiting those guys, they understand no matter how good they are at the club level, the high school level, you've got to earn the spot. Mm-hmm. And when you have 28 guys doing that, 
the practice drives itself up and, and you improve as a group. And not just 28 guys, but guys that have been there for three years already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, the system. yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep, you're absolutely right. Well, Louis, before we let you go, Sean, I'm going to ask this of you as well, Sean. You've been around the Milwaukee soccer scene for a long time. You get, yes. you know, you've got a very good understanding of what is going on. I'm curious to get your thoughts about this, and I'm only asking you this because you said I could ask you anything. <laughs> you got me, got me on the air. Uh-oh. I'm I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about the consistent of butting of heads of trying to bring a pro team to Milwaukee yeah. because there are so many people that have the same idea but they don't want to work together. Okay, and I'm you've been around a long time, and I, you can phrase it however you want to, but I'm curious, as someone that's been around and seen a lot, what your thoughts are about that. I don't believe the same problems of, that we've been butting heads on previously, 20 years ago, is the same as the issues we have now. I think we have a sustainability issue hmm. about bringing pro or multiple pro. Now, it is a different country. Will you figure how many pro clubs are in London... Seven, eight, Something nine, like ten. That, yeah. You know, and, and Premier League clubs. I believe it. Whatever. Le- I think we could sustain maybe a couple of levels if the sustainable model is such that you understand how many play, how many players you need, how many full-time players you mm-hmm. need, whether they need to be on full-time salaries that they can they can take care of themselves, or whether they, or it's a salary that you can take care of their families. So then you fit that model into, there's a league now that will sustain my pro team. Then if I, or, And then if we want another pro team that wants to sustain MLS, we have to understand how many what does that require? How many um, how many fans do we need? What's the overall budget? And if you notice that the USL franchise that started off, I don't know, I think it started at 50,000, is a lot bigger now. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's maybe even 2 million plus. The NASL franchise, an MLS franchise now. I mean, the deal that David Beckham did, I guess, was really good because he, gets <laughs> a, yeah. he could sell his part of that franchise yep. and make an additional... What, three, yeah. three, three years or four years of his salary. Mm-hmm. So in Milwaukee, I think there is a coming together in a sense where there are factions that want a pro team. And I think that eventually we may see um, people that get paid X amount of dollars to do it and mm-hmm. people get another a different. And I think there might be a, a blue and a red, mm-hmm. you know, side of town. Or, or, or But uh, I think it's prime. For sure, this city can, I believe, can sustain... A professional team model. What I do want, what I do think should and could happen and would add to the sustainability is weaving in the community that will support it so it is the top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And so at the top of the py- pyramid, if it were the most prestigious league you play in, and then maybe have you know one or two teams a fewer leagues low and a fewer leagues low, and I think that all the clubs would eventually come together because without that, we're going to lose some of our best and brightest, mm-hmm. and they're going to go overseas. You I know? Agree. And as you know, I, one of our top recruits, Andrei Novakovic, mm-hmm. we, you know, I, I supported him going for some training after committing to Marquette, and he had to go as far as Reading, mm. England, and sign there for three years, where it, it, he could have signed his own on his own doorstep yeah, if right. there was something available. Exactly. But I, I think it's going to work. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist, and you're right. I've been here since playing uh, playing it in the '80s. I think it's going to work. Sean, we promised you'd talk to us about differences. Yeah. MLS, England, Australia. Give us a 30 second breakdown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quick. Everything you've ever uh, yeah, everything I've ever known. Uh, England obviously has been more established. I think the MLS is coming up. Australia is probably a little bit further behind. 
Uh, Australia has the top flight, and then they have regional leagues below that make up the second yeah. uh, second tier. Uh, obviously, you know a lot about the English structure. And as we were saying there earlier, I think the the big thing in, in America is getting a pathway to pro for local players. Excellent. Great. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. It's great, guys. Thanks very yeah, much for having, Thanks for having us. Anytime. Head Anytime. coach of Marquette University, Louis Bennett, and his assistant, Sean Hughes, were here with us on Two Up Front. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action for you. You're not going to want to miss it. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Back here in the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, let's take a look at the week that was in Major League Soccer. I know our team's on different sides of the result, and we actually get to play each other this week as well. That's right, yes. I'm interested to see what happens with that. So uh, let's take a look back at what happened in MLS this last weekend, uh, starting with some exciting action that, as we know, 
took place on Wednesday evening. Colorado Rapids and Sporting Kansas City. Jermaine Jones, he's back. He scored a goal. He got an assist. They played in snow. And, of course, MLSsoccer.com is freaking out, saying, He's back! I'm like, of course. shut up. Of course. Shut but up. He wasn't the only one who scored his first goal for uh, for his club. Um, we're also looking at Gashi got his first goal for uh, the Colorado Rapids mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, very interesting there. Dom Dwyer, I think, uh, cashed in on a goal as well, as he likes to do. But at the same time, or not, not Dom. So th- yeah, it was Dom Dwyer. Yeah, right. Yeah. So this is this is the first game, by the way. I think you were yep. referring to. Oh, the you're right. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, of the two different games. So yeah. they played two double games. double game week for Colorado. That's right. They took on the Red Bulls in the snow. That's what it was. But either way, though, Colorado they get six points out of six available points this week. That's a big, uh, huge, big way to shoot them it up is. the power rankings. And as and for well. the fact that the first three points came in. Sporting Kansas City's not an easy own place park. to win a game at. That's for sure. So congratulations to Colorado on that one. Uh, Jermaine Jones in that second game, obviously not that first game, like we mentioned. FC Dallas they put a beat down on Portland. They beat them three to one. FC Dallas they came back. They looked hot. They looked excited. And uh, Portland not exactly uh, looking the best, unfortunately. No, but they're not. You you have a, when you play two games. In a week, you kind of have to pick and choose your battles at times, and I think maybe Portland chose to not battle this I, you game. You know, I would disagree with that. I just I think FC Dallas is so good right now, mm. and, and Portland is, you know, they're trying to make their way through some injuries. Obviously, Darlington Nagby being out is a huge sure. one. Um, as we talked about last show, I had thought that Porter would try to change formation up. He indeed did do that with a, a 4-2-3-1. Didn't work out too well in this game. It worked out a little bit better in their, in their second game of the sure. Week, uh, but Dallas came in with a plan. Rudy, of course, gets a goal against his own club, Love it. his old club, and uh, FC Dallas took care of business. I agree with you on that one. Looking forward, San Jose they took down the Red Bulls two nil. A good earthquake side continuing to do a good job overall. They would go the rest of the week though, and they would lose their second game though. They they would, but uh, Fatia Lache, who we. <coughs> We had on the show last week. Yes, uh, ended up getting a goal in this game as well. I texted or uh, tweeted out to you, Baxter. Hey, twittered out every <laughs> every person that has come on the show, uh, whether it was NWSL or now MLS, they went out and won their game that week. They did Sam Mewis scored a goal for her side, so I'm sure that was exciting. And now Fatai scored as well. So if you would like to be a guest on Tube Front to either experience <laughs> success in scoring or your team winning, uh, the phone lines are open right now. You can come on and join us. And uh, uh, Wondolowski, of course, with another goal on the season. What he does. It's, he's, he, wish he did Wanda. it with the national team, but he certainly knows how to do it with San Jose. Do you wish he did it with the national team? I, well, I wish anybody would with the national team. I suppose. Okay. Well, moving on from that, though, you look uh, you look ahead to other games that took place. Finally, getting into the normal ones, the uh, Viernes de Football with LA Galaxy and the Houston Dynamo. Houston scoring immediately as soon as the game got underway, setting the tone early. Thinking, "Wow, Supers! You know, Houston—they are a good team. They're going to just train wreck the rest of the way through this game." And then the Galaxy were like, Ex- "Actually." Giovanni Dos Santos is That's what very I was going to say. I don't, I don't know if it was the Galaxy that thought that, but it was certainly Dos Santos who said, "No, nah, you know what? Let's win this game." Exactly. Let's and go Steven ahead and Gerard play. actually looked like vintage Steven Gerrard in this game too. The passes that he was making all across the field, he looked like the old Liverpool Steven Gerrard where he was like, "Oh, what's that? You're 60 yards down the field across field between two defenders." Boop, there's the ball. Go. And of course, Giassi Zard is also uh, another another so tick the, on the, the score names sheet. They were all out they were. for the Galaxy, so good, a good victory, a needed victory for them against a team in the West like the Dynamo that had been uh, thinking that they could do just about anything, honestly. So good for them to get that victory. Montreal took out Chicago. 
Uh, two incredible goals, uh, one from Inbon. In, well, I can never say his name. Uh, do you know how to say his name? Uh, I, oh, my gosh. You're asking the wrong Kennedy guy. Kennedy Inbon. I'd Igbon- have to practice Igbon- it. Igbon- I think is how you <laughs> say it. He had a beautiful uh, curling chipped ball to the far post uh, to open the scoring. Did your drug best score six minutes after coming into the game and as one, well. And then one of the best players of the season so far, Piatti. Beautiful goal in the 91st minute. Same basic goal, basically, as Igbonanyaka. Yes, yes, right. Well, yes, that guy who scored, the Kennedy. We'll call him Kennedy as he scored as well. And let's not forget uh, Dominic Oduro, who's also having a, quietly having a great season. Not for my fantasy team, he's not. Well, he got two assists for you this week, I unless did, you didn't, I didn't play him. him. Well, of no. course you did. Because he's not, you know, whatever. <laughs> he's, not, he's one of those players you don't know what he's going to come true. from him. That's true. I know? understand. He's, Trust he's, me, he's, I he's annoying. He's very annoying. Just like when you captain Diego Valeri, which I think both of us did. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, and he gets a red card. Out of all the players, they get a red card. Quality. Diego Valeri. Quality. Love it when that happens. Uh, Toronto FC, DC United, TFC uh, squeaks away a win in a game that nobody really cared too much about. No, but Giovinco gets back on the scoring sheet. That's, again, that's important. Uh, you know, DC United, they go else. from winning 4 nothing last week to losing 1 0 now to Toronto. And this was. In DC, how much longer does Ben Olsen have? Longer, uh, what DC is doesn't have. There's nobody really to replace him. I don't feel like Jason Kreese is still out. Jason Kreese, rather, is still out to, there. I think that would be a step down in his overall career. Well, I mean, right. United. I mean, he's now he's with the national team program. He's he was out uh, scouting Paraguay for Klinsman mm-hmm. this last week. I agree with you, but I'm just saying to say nobody is out there is it's true. not entirely true. That is true. So Toronto gets another victory. Uh, they get to move up in the standings. They are now fourth in the standings with eight points overall. Uh, Columbus and NYCFC. Columbus finally getting a much, much needed victory at home against New York City, uh, three to two. So, bit of a fun game back and forth. I mean, yeah. through the whole game, you had a goal from the seventh minute and a goal in the eighty-seventh minute. That always tells a good story a lot of, of action, what's yeah. going on exactly. there. Exactly. Justin Merriam got two assists in this game as well. Ethan Finley, Kai Kamara, and Kai Kamara Merriam. finally gets back on the board. <laughs> Sigh of relief, being bre- being breathed. That's breath. Yeah, breathed, not breathed. 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 Being breathed right, right. for Columbus Crew <laughs> fans. Uh, but they're still in ninth place overall in the Eastern Conference. Baxter, if there's one other person that I would love to bring on staff to two up front, is somebody just to make coffee. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> we need an intern. Somebody. And you know who else needs coffee? The New York Red Bulls. They look atrocious. They, they look lose 2-1 to one in the snow game. That's in the this, this is the one you were talking Snowmageddon. about. Snowmageddon. Yes. So Jermaine Jones does come in, makes his long-awaited debut for the Rapids, and he does what Jermaine Jones does. He scores a goal. And he has Uh, an assist. uh, You know, he should have cut down his hair for this game just to uh, replicate what happened against Costa Rica. That would have been an awesome (laughs) picture. But he looked even more badass, I think, in this one with the fact that the snow was getting caught in his his dreadlocks. You know what I will say? I've had Zach McMath in goal for me on my fantasy team for the Mm. past past couple weeks now, and he's he's been doing well for me. I know I've got to get rid of him soon as Tim Howard comes into the the forward. But... With the way he's playing, you know, Colorado. Now, I don't think you exactly laughed at me, but you were a little surprised when I picked Colorado to I make the postseason. Okay, pretty sure. Um, I'm feeling very good about that. Pick. You are right now. But what yes. I w- and this is one of the reasons their defense. They have not let in more than a single goal in any game this season for a defense that was basically a sieve last year. That's impressive. So uh, Pablo yeah. Masterani. 
Somehow doing something it's, right. It's figured something out. Well, you're seeing places too, like Dick Sporting Good Park. They're undefeated at home so far this season, so they're slowly turning in their home ground as a, a place that's going to be hard to win at. Also, and at and that altitude, it is always hard to win in Denver. It is. It is in any and, sport. And I'll tell you what, too. Uh, New York Red Bulls, as we said. Not quite sure what's going on with them, but a few things to note. They finally ended their scoreless streak at 337 minutes. You have Bradley Wright Phillips on your team. You have Sasha Kleschen in the midfield. You have Dax McCarty in the midfield. How are you not scoring goals? Uh, but kudos know. to their goalkeeper, Luis Robles. Uh, this was um, 113 straight matches that he has Good played 90 minutes, that full games. It's a new MLS record. Too, it is. I believe. So congratulations to him. Uh, looking forward, RSL took down Vancouver 1-0 in this one. RSL proving once again that they are pretty much the best team. They're the only team to have not lost a game this season. They've played 10 total games. or No, they've played six total games. They've got four wins and two draws. They sit in second place overall. And they did it against a Vancouver team that we thought was going to be much better, but finds themselves with one point. I have to say this. You look at the standings in the West right now, it's a bit surprising. All the Cascadia teams sitting behind that red line. Yeah. Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. It's very interesting to see how quickly the tides change, especially with yes. how hot Houston started the season. Right. They find themselves on the bottom of the Western Conference. Yeah. Uh, Seattle, speaking of a Cascadia team, they got a victory over the Philadelphia Union, but nobody cares because Jordan Morris scored, so that's all the media world cares about. So go ahead and continue to hype train about that. Well, listen, this is a good win for Seattle. It you know, was. They, it was against a good Philadelphia Union team. They started the season on a three-game winless streak. Now they're on a three-game unbeaten streak. Yes, Jordan Morris gets his... Uh, goal, but this Philly team has been looking good this season. Uh, CJ Sapong has been playing out of his mind lately. Uh, of course, he didn't score in this game. Sebastian Latou did. But this is this a week after I drop him in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sebastian. But this this Philadelphia team, they've been playing some exciting soccer lately. Sure. They, they know how to move the ball. Uh, Seattle was struggling. Now Chad Marshall, out of all the players to lead Seattle in scoring, Chad Marshall with two goals. <laughs> I'm this weekend, last week. Yeah. So, so I don't know what to, to think exactly about uh, for Seattle right now. I think they still need to get a lot of things figured out going forward. But a win's a win for them, and now they get to move up the standings a little bit. They're in eighth place now with seven points. Uh, they're two, three, and one overall. So we'll see what happens with them going forward. Portland, Simon, they got a nice victory, 3-1 over a very good San Jose team as yes, well. Yes, a surprise victory in our eyes, at least. I would agree too. with that. I don't think either of us picked. Uh, we both we did. We both picked. We, we both, both picked we San Jose. Both, we both picked week, San Jose. Yeah. Uh, mm. Chris Wondolowski, of course, getting uh, <laughs> another another goal off a of PK this time. But Adi was playing uh, tremendously well. Um, I'm sorry. What was I? Lost I my know. train of thought here. I, I was actually going to start talking about Jack Mack. Sure. Jack McEnery, he's nice he's guy. he's well, he's scored a couple of goals now for the Timbers on yeah. the season. I think he's a guy that, with the injuries that are going on, and now Valeri's out as well, so Porter's got to figure that out. Ridiculous. I think Jack Mac, it's time that he starts You've starting been talking these games about that for a couple of weeks right. now too. So we'll uh, we'll see if that actually happens for Portland, especially with a, a game like that where they you know they won a good game. And now they've got a double this week as well. So we'll, or right in two weeks they have a double. So, so I wanted to talk about that first goal there of how Jack Mac once again just you know. What you want in a striker is right someone place, who right just time. who just knows where to be. But uh, Adi comes on. I hope you played him this week. No, I caught him. You a couple did weeks not. Ago. Uh, two goals. He wasn't producing for me. Right. So I caught two him. goals, and he came on as a sub. And we saw Porter do this last year as well, using Adi as a sub. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I I love that tactic. He comes on for basically thirty minutes or so. 
very fresh and big, strong, powerful player gets in that box and 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 finishes uh, finishes when he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps the one game this weekend that a lot of folks are still buzzing about, especially with all the controversy that we've heard in MLS about what's a yellow card, what's a red card, what's a foul, what's a whatever, what's a penalty kick, uh, the New England Revolution drawing with Orlando City SC. Yes, they did, and let me tell you, uh, Toledo, the center ref, he he was more involved in this game than he needed to be. First of all, he calls for a PK against uh, for Baptista, who um, did play a decent game, I have to say, but wasn't touched. Goes down easy. Orlando gets a PK. Mm-hmm. So then the later, minute, yeah. later in the match. Uh, for New England to get their second goal, this is where a lot of the controversy was. We're talking about six minutes into stoppage. Well, There's no reason but, you should ever have that. Actually, much stoppage before time. that, before that, this is how bad the game is. I have to go back and remember this yeah. stuff. Uh, in the 92nd minute, so two minutes into stoppage, it looks like Orlando's going to win this game two-one off of a Molino goal. That was a very obvious handball. Molino brings the ball down with his hand and puts it in the goal. Goal shouldn't have been allowed. Um, and then we're looking at in the sixth minute of stoppage. Orlando has uh, New England's coming down with the ball. Orlando player standing inside the box. It bounces off his arm, and the ref uh, Toledo calls for a uh, doesn't call for a PK. No, and it was his 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 linesman, his assistant ref that eventually and they had, had to, to confer tell him. about it too. It was almost right. like an NFL replay there, yeah. and it was so he was three yards in the box. There's no reason it wasn't exactly. A PK. So I mean, Lee Wynn steps up and saves the Revolution a little bit, uh, and they're able to convert and score, making it two to two. So the Revolution now uh, do a little bit of something uh, in the fact that they now still hang out at uh, fifth place in the Eastern Conference standings with eight total points. They're one, one, and five. They've only lost one game if you're a Revolution fan, so you have to be happy in that regards. But overall, though, you look at what exactly the Revolution have done this season. They're a little bit of underperforming right now, but you you also don't want to take away from the fact that uh, you know they have only lost one game this season, so you have to be happy and within reason if you're a Revs fan this season, I'd say. I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the final game of the weekend was FC Dallas and Sporting Kansas City, a battle between the top two teams in the Western Conference. FC Dallas, they're hot right now, Simon. They're real hot, and they proved it once again by beating one of the best teams in Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, what you, you might, think about it? you might be surprised with my power rankings there, Baxter. I'm not sure yet. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, FC Dallas, they, they, can't, they can't do much wrong. Yeah, they get a goal scored against them here or there, but they are, they are on fire. When they lose, they don't... They don't uh, let it scare them at all, and I, I got to tell you, we keep talking about a Rudy. Of course, you've got you've got your other players in there, um, but Acosta for Kellen Acosta for FC Dallas is everywhere on this field, sure. and, and he's been having a great season as well. And I I think that's what we're starting to see is a lot of these guys who've been quietly supporting their teams mm-hmm. in a great way are now starting, because they're not named players, you're starting to hear their names more and more. And that's what you want, I think, at the same time. I mean, you, you want to continue to see who can step up and make the name for yourself because you're not going to always have your star players available. Someone's going to get injured. Someone's going to get international duty. So as a coach, you look down your bench and say, all right, which one of you young ones wants to step up and do good? And we saw that in this game. So good job for them in this game. Absolutely. So FC Dallas, they are now the best team in MLS overall with 17 total points. They are 5-1-2 and two on the season, and they are a clear, clear first place right now. RSL right behind them, though, with 14 points if you're looking 
at it from that perspective. All right, uh, let's look ahead to this week quickly, and then we got to get to a break and then close things up here as well eventually on the show. Uh, Montreal and Toronto. Simon, who do you like in this game? Montreal. I would agree with you on that one. Philly and NYCFC. I think it's, as a, it's too easy of a pick. But I'm going to go with Philly on oh, this I thought one. Thought you were going to go for a draw. I was trying to, try, I'm trying to play predict Simon right now as, <laughs> I, as we go through. Um, I'm going to go with NYCFC on this one. Why not? Uh, DC and the Revs. Yeah, this is actually a tough one, um, but I'm going to take New England. Okay, I as am I. Columbus and Houston. I'm going to take a draw on this one, Baxter. Okay. Um, I am going to go with Columbus after their victory. Colorado and Seattle yeah. at Colorado. I'm going to go with Colorado on yeah, this. Why not? Ride the hot hand, and I'll, I'll join you for for a game or two. We'll see what happens. <laughs> L.A. and RSL, a game to definitely keep an eye on this This week. is definitely one, but I'm going to take L.A. on this one. Okay, it's in L.A., and... Um, <sighs> Yeah, I'm going to join you on that one as well. Vancouver and FC Dallas. I'm going to stay with uh, FC Dallas. Yep, as am I. San Jose and Sporting Kansas City. I'm going with San Jose. Okay, I'm going to take SKC on this one. I think they're a little upset about this last week, and they're going to turn things around. New York, Red Bulls, and Orlando. Yeah, let me think about this one for a minute, Baxter. You go ahead and do your reasonings. I think Orlando's going to go, honestly, in this game. The Red Bulls can't put two and two together right now, and I think Orlando is far superior, at least at, between the two teams. Not necessarily as a better team overall sure, in MLS, no, no. but right now Orlando's the better I mean, team. I completely agree with you. However, this is in New York. I just, for no other reason, I just have a feeling this is the game they're finally going to win. So I'm going to go with New York on okay. this one. Well, we i got to try to catch up with you. I'm, one, I'm still one game behind you on the overall standings. So i got to pick one wacky pick to hopefully... Uh, hey, you <laughs> never know, especially with the way our luck has been this season. Anything is possible. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, Vavil USA editor Chris Blakely will be here with us to talk about the weekend that was in NWSL action. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Hey, and welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Hey, well, Simon. How are we doing? I'm doing great, man. That was a great in-depth conversation we just had with Louis Bennett and Sean Hughes from Marquette University. That was uh, unexpected. Not that the in-depth was unexpected, but just the, the length that we spoke. But we just didn't want to stop because exactly. we're I know. all It's one of those it. interviews where you're just like, I want to keep talking because right. it was so in-depth. And it was, it was fantastic. We had a, a great time chatting with them. If you guys ever want to chat with us, too, remember to go and find us on Twitter. You can find us. Uh, at two up front soccer that's the number two and then you can tweet at us at baxter colburn and at simon provan as well you can always shoot us an email two up front soccer at gmail.com we love hearing from you guys we've had some good interaction as well and uh, i actually got some good interaction over the weekend as i was uh, tweeting a lot about the nwsl opening weekend and uh, you can definitely feel the fact that everybody was excited that the league is back and uh, I, I personally was excited. I had a, a, a tri-screen basically going on my laptop. I, I was watching four games at one time, too, because there was USL games going on as well. 
And uh, MLS kind of took a backseat for me this weekend as I was just really excited to get some uh, NWSL action back in my life. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, with that, though, we are excited to bring in uh, one of the guys that knows a fair amount about the NWSL. He's uh, the, the one of the editors over at Vavil USA. It is Chris Blakely, a good friend of the show that we love to talk a lot about. And now that he's finally back, we can talk with him as well. So, Chris, hello, sir, and welcome back to the show. Well, hello, and thanks for having me again. It's been way too long. It has. Like uh, We were talking with you off-air as well. We, we talk about you at least once a week. We find a way to, to work you in the show at least once a week. So you've been, you've been with us in spirit, Chris, for many a week, but we're, uh, we're glad to have you back on the program. And uh, I, I personally have got to ask you right away, uh, is it still raining in Seattle after Sky Blue pulling that incredible upset? <laughs> or uh, what exactly is the feeling around town after such a surprising uh, fixture opening day? Uh, well, to answer your question, no, it's a it's a nice seventy five. No clouds in the sky wow, for a change in Seattle. Okay. So, so you finally been, you finally nice. get to cut your grass with the sun out. Yeah, right. What's that like? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's a nice improvement. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was a bit of a shock for the fans in attendance. You could tell. You know, they've never seen their team lose at Memorial Stadium. So, I believe it was a twenty four game unbeaten streak the rain had going. So, um, and honestly, the way Sky Blue did it with six rookies on the field, that was pretty impressive. Laura Harvey, after the game, she was not happy at all. Rightfully so. And on it, it, exactly. And honestly, she's kind of glad that the unbeaten streak ended. That was one of the first things she said in her press conference, uh, post-game press conference, saying, well, now we don't have to talk about this anymore. And a lot mm-hmm. of the uh, other players echoed that same sentiment of, it's done, it's over with, let's get back to actually playing soccer and making it, you know, getting back on track to where they need to be. I can imagine, yeah. And that's something like that, losing... Um, and anytime you hear that, we heard that with, you know, even the Golden State Warriors this season as well, too, after they finally were, you know, I think after 24 games when they finally lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, a lot of those guys are like, you know what? Great. Whatever. It was a fun record. It was a fun thing to do for a while, but we're just glad it's over and we can, uh, we can actually focus on playing the game instead of what the media actually wants us to focus on. And it's, you know, things like this with, with a team as, uh, well known as, the Seattle Rain, you know, you talk about all the great players they have on their team as well. I mean, you got, you know, ladies like Hope Solo and Megan Rapino when she comes back from injury as well. But uh, it, it's it's a very long season as well if you're you know, part of the NWSL. So losing opening day is not a reason to freak out and, you know, clear the buses and everybody jump off. That's a supporter. And uh, I think Seattle, as a as an organization, I think will be just fine. And that, you see this happen sometimes, though, too, in opening days. You know, some teams just are a little bit more hyped about the beginning of the season than others. So I think for Seattle fans, what's the message that they need to kind of take away now going the rest of the season? Well, it's just like you said, it's not the end of the world. No time to jump off the quote-unquote bandwagon, if, if, if you will. Um, you know, they just need to, you know... They need to, you know, obviously hope the girls go out this weekend and and bounce back when they play Boston on Sunday, and you know, just kind of, you know, keep your spirits high because honestly, as you mentioned, it's the opening weekend. There's still a ton of games left. Um, you know, last year they started off one and two, you know, and then they came back and once again became, you know, we're the best team in the league until it came to the playoffs. But you know, it's nothing to worry about. Uh, they 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 obviously have some stuff to work on. I've never actually. In my time covering the team, I've actually never seen them. I don't want to say the word "play this badly," but they did. They didn't play very well. They were getting torched on the wing with Ke- uh, Kelly O'Hara uh, going up and down that left side of the pitch against. Which is good Reed. at doing, All, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. And Ellie Reed usually, you know, she's the right back for the range. She's a great defender, and she was just getting torched. But Kelly, you know, she is a U.S. international. And she's great at what she does. Just overall, they just need, you know, the rain. They just they kind of seemed out of focus. Um, I'm sure. You know, Laura Harvey will get them back on schedule and get them, you know, get their minds, you know, back 
back the way it needs to be. And hopefully when they play Boston, you know, it'll we'll see the Seattle run of old. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about playing Boston as well. Uh, the Washington Spear took down the Boston Breakers uh, 1-0 on a very early uh, elaborate bicycle kick as well. And uh, I had the opportunity to watch most of this game. And I forget when you don't watch a player like Crystal Dunn for a little while and you watch her again, you forget how fast she actually is. And seeing her with the ball, she she has tendencies where she reminds me a little bit of Cristiano Ronaldo with the fact that when she has the ball, she just goes at a defender. And you can also see, you can just see the defenders kind of freak out for a, a brief moment because they're like, holy cow, she's going to just burn right by me. And she did that a lot. And she had that opening assist as well. But if you're the Washington spirit, you knew going against a team like Boston, it wasn't going to be one of those games where you're like, look, we don't, you know, this is a, a decent team, but we should win. And you know, ladies like Christine Naren, who we've had on the program as well here before, stepped up and did a good job. And, you know, Washington gets a nice 1-0 victory to open the season for them. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you're, you're exactly correct on Crystal Dunn. It's getting to, you know, watch her last year in the playoffs against the rain. And then also when the U.S. national team came up here to scout on October, just seeing how fast she is in person. It's just she just performs that back line all game long. And, you know, I've been watching her for the last year or so. Um, with all the international games and NWSL games, and she's actually she's a great player. Um, you are right; she, you know, a little bit reminds you of a little bit of uh, of Ronaldo on the women's side, obviously. And, sure, but yeah, I think uh, I think Washington. You, they have a coach because Mark Parsons left and went to uh, Portland. Um, I still think they'll be good. They'll probably be in the top four when the season ends. Um, you know, the, they got a they got a good squad. They do, yeah, exactly. And we've talked with uh, we've talked with Christine before. We've talked with uh, their head coach as well, Jim Gabara, as well on here on Two Up Front as well. But uh, you know, you talk about this weekend as a whole. Uh, if you want to talk about Seattle losing, obviously that was a big surprise. The other big surprise I'd have to say was probably the defending champs losing to Western New York Flash as well. After I keep name dropping, I'm not trying to, but they just happened to all do well this week. Sam Mewis scoring a goal <laughs> for the Western New York Flash, a former guest here on Two Up Front as well, sinking FC Kansas City also in front of a large uh, home crowd for FC Kansas City also. Yeah, that was a bit of a shock. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a lot of the games this weekend. But I was, you know, I was keeping tabs on that and just seeing that they had lost. I wasn't expecting that, you know, especially a team like that with so many veterans on it. Um, You know, they're arguably one of the best defensive teams in the league. And I mean, I believe it was what one nothing is what the final score was. I mean, they only gave it one goal, which isn't a big deal. But still, just to see them kind of, you know, struggle a little bit was a shock. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. Yeah, that's one of the things I actually, t- speaking of goalkeepers, you know, Boston Breakers, they did lose 1-0. Not to keep talking about the rain, because, you know, that's not my habit, but uh, <laughs> just talking about this upcoming game that they have, Chris, you know, Libby Stout, who's the goalkeeper for Boston, spent a couple years over in Liverpool. She had, uh, she faced seven shots on goal, only gave up one, um, but actually Washington was peppering her 15 shots overall. Yeah, Washington controlled the play of that game. So what what does Seattle need to do to get past a goalkeeper of that of that skill level? Uh, you know, honestly, they're going to have to do exactly the same thing. They just keep peppering the goal. And I know this weekend uh, when they played Sky Blue, that's exactly what they did. But uh, surprisingly, their uh, Sky Blue's rookie goalkeeper, I believe her name is Carolyn Casey, she stepped up huge. She, Watching her play, you never think she was a rookie. Uh, you know, she had a great one-on-one chance with uh, the the Reigns' new signing. Uh, Milas is her last name. I'm drawing a blank on her first name. I do apologize, but uh, they just need to. Seattle just has to keep doing what they normally do: is just get their midfield involved with uh, Jess Fishlock and Kim Little, and uh, you know, Keelan Winters. You know, kind of sits in front of the back four and 
distributes the ball, and they got to get their forwards a little bit more involved. Uh, they had Merritt Mathias and Be- uh, Beverly Yanez and uh, Milas. You know, they were they had a lot of action and time on the ball, but they just really weren't getting any clean shots. So they got to open up some of that space and uh, you know make make Boston's keeper work. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that one. And you talk about rookies not looking like rookies. You have to bring your attention to what the Houston Dash did as they defeated the Chicago yes. Red Stars by a score of 3-1. to one. And the rookie, quote-unquote rookie, Rachel Daly, uh, scoring a goal, a beautiful one-time goal from her and also assisting a goal as well to lead the Dash 3-1 over the Red Stars. Watching this game, watching how she attacked a U.S. considered the you know cons- considering the second best goalie in the on the women's side with Alyssa Nair, she made Alyssa look like she was a freshman in in high school. She really embarrassed her a lot this the entire night. I mean, the Houston Dash they were almost like a sleeping animal. They conceded an early goal after Kristen Press does what she does best, jumped on an early ball, slotted that ball away. As a forward, you loved you know when defenders have a miscommunication like that. But then you saw it continue to build. You saw Daly score a goal. You were able to see Becky score a goal. You saw Carly Lloyd hit a you know a pinpoint header, and all of a sudden Houston is just off and running. But Rachel Daly, though, is the, the true story of the week in NWSL. She was voted the player of the week as well. But talk a little bit about what she did. And now that the entire league is kind of looking back at her like, well, now, who are you? Yeah, you know, she, I know technically, yes, she's a rookie, but I believe she's 24. Uh, she's got plenty of time overseas. She's also part of the uh, England, I believe the U23 team, at least at the time. She might be part of the senior team. Now I'm not 100% sure on that. But yeah, she's a... Uh, from the brief highlights I did watch, you know, she's pretty outstanding player. Um, I think with her, Lloyd, um, a couple other players, uh, Houston might be a team to watch out. You know, they're they're trying to make the playoffs. They've never made it in their previous two years. Mm-hmm. So, with her and Lloyd and all those other players, uh, you know, I think they're a team to really, you know, consider and be on the lookout for because they they look dangerous, especially. A team that has Carly Lloyd on it, they're going to be dangerous anyways. Oh, exactly. But when you add some, very true. Yeah, and when you add somebody like a Rachel Daly and all the other players uh, on their team, you know, it just makes them even more, more and more dangerous. Exactly. No, I completely agree with you on that one. Daly definitely took over that game. And uh, the one other game that we need to talk about as well, the Portland Thorns and Orlando Pride, the game that a lot of folks were excited about because it's the new... Uh, season for the Portland Thorns after not having the best finish last year, but then it was the new expansion team in Orlando Pride as well, and leave it to Portland to come from behind to secure a a victory, a two one victory. Well, and one of the obviously one of the big things about this match was the Alex Morgan trade in the off season. Yes. So Alex Morgan facing her former team, and uh, Portland does come out on top two to one, and. You know, talk about great crowds. Another great crowd in Portland, over sixteen thousand fans. It was the largest crowd in uh, for a home opener mm-hmm. for for Portland. Um, long name, Chris. Can you say this name for us? <laughs> Dagny Bjorn uh, Jarstador. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. Cause I, uh, <laughs> we'll call it Dagny. Right. We'll call it Dagny. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Uh, you know, I was reading uh, one of our writers uh, on our website. You know, he did the recap, and I saw that name, and I was like, "There is no way in heck I'm going to try to pronounce it." Because I, I don't want to do her any injustice. It's one of those things where you try to run it through spell check, and you're like, "Well, I, maybe it's not. Maybe that is how it's spelled. I don't know exactly." It's like maybe you pushed a few too many keys trying to spell like Brian or something. It's like, no, nope, it's uh, that's yeah, exactly getting- what it is. 
was saying it's spelled wrong. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, if it's spelled wrong, none of us would know, honestly. But uh, if you're Orlando, though, I mean, you 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 got to be fairly happy with how the game went. You were tied one-one going into halftime, and then you give up that late goal. You you look ahead, though. If you're Orlando now, they were going to try to to fill the bowl as well, like uh, what we saw from uh, the Orlando uh, Orlando City as well. Uh, are you defusing a bomb, Chris, right now, or what exactly are you doing while you're talking to us? Sorry, I was. Uh, I'm sitting in my car. Here, taking a break work, and I was making sure you're all right. Job. I was. Sorry wasn't. No, no, no. You're, you're fine. Just making sure you know you're. Uh, we're not interrupting some more important work right now. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, not a problem at all. So, I mean, you look ahead for Orlando, though. This is a team that I um I wrote about last week, saying that offensively they certainly have enough ladies on their team to be dangerous. Defensively, I'm a little concerned about you know what they've got as a team going forward, but. Orlando, the way that this uh, NWSL is set up, I think they have an opportunity to do well, but you also talk about you know teams like Seattle, teams like Portland, and then Houston really asserting themselves has to make you wonder just how if Orlando's going to have a chance to make the playoffs in their inaugural season or not. I think we may have lost them. I again. don't know. Did we finally lose them again? Yeah, you know, oh, it'll no. be tough yeah. for me. Right, can you, yep, can you hear me? You're good. You're good. Keep going. Hello? You're good. We got you. Hello. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, any, you know, any expansion, it's, it, I'm still here. Yeah. It's, it's hard for any expansion team to, you know, get off and starting. But when you have players like Alex Morgan on there, I mean, that, that does help. Um, you know, it's 10 team, 10 team league and only four teams make it. So, I mean, it won't be easy, but, you know, they, they're going to have that great home field advantage down at the Citrus Bowl. So, yeah. be exciting to see what they can do. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you on that one. All right, Chris. Well, before we let you go, uh, one other thing that's exciting. Uh, the NWSL Championship has officially been announced that it will be in Houston at BBVA Compass Stadium, October the 9th. Talk about a beautiful venue to play in, that's for sure. Uh, what did you think about the announcement coming out of Houston that they will be hosting the tournament? Uh, you know, it's good because it's in another Major League Soccer stadium. I'm just a little bit, you know, because obviously the the Dynamo have, a, you know, essentially own the Dash. And the same with, you know, Portland and uh, with their Timbers and the Thorns. But I think it's good. Um, it's a, Like you said, it's a it's a great stadium. Uh, it's large. The, the field looks, well, when it's not raining, the field looks great. Um, you know, it doesn't get watered down like it did last year when Seattle played down there. But it, it's good for the league because, you know, it brings in a lot of people. Um, looks good on TV. You know, obviously that's what Fox Sports and, and the league uh, care about. You know, they want to make sure everything looks nice and pretty on TV for their worldwide audience. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little afraid that they're just going to kind of keep bouncing back and forth between MLS you know, cities, even though it's an NWSL league, but like last year they put it in Portland with an MLS team. This year, Houston with an MLS team. Who knows, next year it might be in Orlando with an MLS team. You know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of worried about that, but I also understand, you know, when they have the championship game, they want it in a nice big stadium. You don't want it to, no offense to Memorial Stadium here in downtown Seattle, but it, it's it's horrible for TV lines. The field is atrocious, as much as I hate to say that, but it is what it is. And then you have some of the other teams that are play. On fields that only have a capacity of three, four, five thousand people, so it makes yeah. sense for them to go to larger venues, and it, it's good for the league in the end. Yeah, I'd but I agree. But with I you. do what you, I do see what you're saying, though. At the same time, you do want your own identity, and not always have to be linked up to an MLS stadium. Yeah, but at I the same time, at the same time, though, too, you need to realize that for the women's games, they're not going to build soccer-specific stadiums just for these women's teams, unfortunately. Yet, right. And maybe no, they will down the no, road, no. but you I mean you saw the Red Stars, they're transferring after playing from at a, at a college campus 
they're on a you know converted football field basically now they're going to Toyota Field or Toyota Park so they're going to play the same place the Chicago Fire play as well so we're seeing that transition over where they want to be in more distinguished stadiums but at the end of the day though what exactly uh you know is it going to is going to end up happening we'll we'll see going forward so all right well Chris we appreciate you taking time with us here on Two Up Front uh, always a pleasure and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again in the future sir so thanks for taking some time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Chris Blakely, one of the editors over at Vavil USA. Go and check out their work at VavilUSA slash en.us and see all the great soccer stuff that they have there. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, more MLS action for you here on 2 Up Front. Don't miss it. Back with more on Sports Radio America right after this. And welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. All right, Simon. Some uh, news and notes really fast. I'm around the world of soccer. Bayern Munich inking the man, the myth, the legend, Manuel Neuer, for another couple seasons until 2021, a new five-year deal. And he's 30, so that takes him to 35. And, of course, that's the great thing about goalkeepers is... Longevity. Oh my goodness! Back longevity. Here. Longevity. 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 Yes. Longevity. He's thirty, so really for a goalkeeper, he's just entering his prime. So I like this move. I think this I is a great too. move. I think this is a fantastic move, especially since he was being looked at by Manchester City. There were rumors of that going around. With Joe Hart, though, there still it's kind of weird that they would look at. Uh, they would look at that. Well, you know how it is with these bigger teams. Oh yeah, they're always huge pockets. Shifting people around. And well, and if you've got somebody who's just a tad bit better, sure, go ahead and spend the $90 million transfer fee. So stupid. Uh, a couple other things really fast. Atlanta United unveils a new uh, exciting uh, plan for their training complex. It looks like we're going to be in England or something because of how beautiful this place looks. I mean, we're looking at renderings of it right now, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, $60 million bucks being called the uh, best training complex in MLS when it's completed. Uh, only three fields, so that's a little surprising for me. But you look at the building, uh, it's also not just for their MLS team, it's mm. for their youth academy and setup. And, yep. and uh, I believe that every team at every age level will have their own locker room. Wow. That's, what, that's fantastic. Atlanta is doing it right, though. They're taking a little extra time to get into the league so that way they come in as almost like they've been there for it's, a long it time. Is, they are. They are doing everything right except for their logo and their name. And I'm hoping that they bring in the right players, though, too. That's great that their off-the-field product is going to be so fluid, but can they compete? Well, At the you end know, of the day, that's how a club will be judged in MLS. Osario, who uh, is coaching the Mexican, Mexican national team right now, he have coached uh, He coached Carlos Bocanegra, and mm-hmm. he had come out and said, you know, I think he coached him for Chivas USA. And was it New York as well? No, Carlos played with Chicago. Anyways, uh, he was very complimentary of Atlanta having Carlos mm-hmm. there as their sporting director. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, I mean, he's a good guy to have, too. I mean, Atlanta promises a world-class training facility, yeah. so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, one other news, that thing that I want to get your opinion on, Don Garber, the commissioner, saying, I was just kidding about that whole 20 teams by 20, Tony. I want to have 28 teams 28 now. 28 teams. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm not... I think it was 24, by the way, by 2020, so that's my fault for that. Soccer is unique in that there won't be 
a player pool that's diluted by this because the player mm-hmm. pool is international. Now, True. it's not as international as a Premier League because you're not spending that kind of money. But there's plenty of players in South America yeah. that still want to come and play in MLS. There's plenty of Americas, there's plenty of players in Central America. And you still have players over in Europe that, you know, they may not you be Premier League level, but yeah, right. Um my Concern is really just the rate of expansion. That yes. was one of the things that Garbos, Garber said coming in in year five of MLS that yep. we're not going to do the NASL thing, the original NASL thing, and expand too quickly. Now, difference there is there is there is a structure set in place. Yes. The difference there is that they're looking for owners with pockets and who are committed. The difference is they're looking for owners who are going to build going to build soccer specific stadiums. So there's a lot of differences. So so it's not a apples to apples thing but what would frustrate me is if i'm a coach in mls every season i'm looking at losing players to the expansion Expansion, draft yeah and that's one thing i don't like about it is the expansion draft honestly and we'll see i mean you talk about uh places like san antonio they're making a big push to get an mls team you look at uh, in the usl side uh, i believe it's fc cincinnati is who they are they had twenty thousand people at a usl game when they took on Nashville record FC. crowd for a usl yeah. game i know nashville wants a team i know cincinnati's talking well sacramento is going to get a team sacramento, that's pretty much been said sacramento is going to blow up as a city if they do not get an mls team yeah, they will they will yeah, yeah if there's so, one team that if there's one city that there are teams earns there, it yeah, and that are trying it. to connect the uh the vast expanse that is america those are four at least five big cities that will get it all right one more break when we come back power St. rankings Louis as well. i believe and we'll wrap things up here on another two up front right here on Sports Radio America. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. All right, Simon, let's power rank this baby up and get out of here. <laughs> Sounds great. Sorry, I'm so excited. Power <laughs> rankings. I'm actually really excited to eat. I'm so hungry. <laughs> anyway, but if you're hungry to listen to us, we encourage you to listen to us on Fridays at SportsRadioAmerica.com and on the TuneIn app uh, from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can hear interviews this week with Marquette University head coach and assistant coach Louis Bennett and Sean Hughes and also Vavil U.S soccer editor chris blakely also power ranking simon go power rankings i've got i don't want to say my beloved but they're kind of like i'm, my gonna, buy, I'm, gonna, buy, I'm gonna have to buy you a jersey at some I, point i told you year. i've got a shirt already but, but a it's because it's always better <laughs> i i can't i can't sport another team's colors that's in the western conference mm. that's that's wrong anyways colorado <laughs> rapids is my number five okay they uh they've been playing well they've been beating good teams sure um they're on a two-game win streak at this point. Sure. One loss on the year. Mm-hmm. They are surprising a lot of people. people you know, other teams are starting to fear the Colorado Rapids. Fear the Rapids. I like it. LA Galaxy coming to my number five. Colorado was actually my four that you previously mentioned. Uh, LA, they've been that 4-1 victory over a team. Even though I know Houston is the quote-unquote worst team in the Western Conference, Houston still has a lot of big guns on their team that... Uh, were silenced because L.A. just looked that much more dominant. Well, and on top of that, Baxter, I've got L.A. as my number four. They've beaten San Jose 3-1. to one. They drew with Vancouver in a scoreless draw. They drew with Portland 1-1. And then, as you mentioned, their 4-1 win. They're on a 
quietly, I keep using that word a lot today, mm-hmm. but I think it really does describe a lot what's going on in the league, quietly on a four-game unbeaten streak. I so agree. I've got L.A. as my number four. Yeah, and as I mentioned, Colorado's my number No, I'm four. sorry. I've got... Oh, I jumped, I jumped ahead. I've got... Uh, I've got Seattle as ah, number four. Why well. Why Seattle? As I said, going back to this quietly statement, three-game unbeaten streak. And that's what you want right now, mm-hmm. honestly. And it started with a, against a very good Montreal team, 1-0. Mm-hmm. Then they tied Houston, 1-1. And uh, then they beat a good Philly team this last week. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to have a little belief in those Sounders. Yeah, well, not so, not so quiet has been RSL and FC Dallas, and they actually are both round out our top two, respectively. We both have RSL at number two. They've yet to lose a game this season. They drew one, drew, and then they've won the last three. If you're RSL, a very, very good program overall. You talk about Plata and Burrito and Marcissian, and you've got guys like Nick Armando in goal. This is a good program overall. I mean, Javier Morales, Kyle Beckerman, couple older guys, but they still are producing at a high level. They are, and so people may be wondering, well, why do you have RSL at two and FC Dallas at one? Part of it is watching them play. RSL is much more patient. everybody and, out Exactly, of the and they, they also are on a six-game unbeaten streak. They've played more games than anybody else in the league at this point, and the mm-hmm. teams they're beating, granted DC United and Columbus, but the teams they're, they're taking on are quite good, you know, sporting. Uh, Portland, now look at Portland's not been that great, but Portland loses 1-3, then comes back and beats San Jose 3-1. to There's more to Portland than meets the eye. I agree. Uh, you know, drawing with good teams like San Jose and Columbus. And again, beating Montreal 2 nothing. So FC Dallas, if we were to have RSL and FC Dallas in the Western Conference Final today, my pick would be FC Dallas. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. All right, moving on to our last part of the show. <laughs> All right, Simon, your I believe as we get out of here. I believe, maybe it's more of a hope, that the NCAA opens their eyes and realizes that soccer is a different animal. It needs to be a year-long thing, specifically a year-long thing, where there are competitive games being played through both semesters. Mm, I like it. I believe that I need to ask Louis Bennett and Sean Hughes to record a voicemail for me because they have fantastic <laughs> accents. I think that just listening to those, I mean, maybe it's just one of those American things where I'm just sitting here listening to guys with accents like, oh, this is so fun. You know, Baxter, as you were on the way over, I have to say, we had a cool conversation Did you? before the show that had nothing to do with soccer. Wow. It was all about... They're real people. Ireland and the Troubles and royalty in England. And it was it was it was Down it was with awesome. the king. I love it. No, they don't have a king in England. Anyway. Queen. Oops, the queen. Love the queen. She's a nice lady. She looks a lot like my grandma, actually. Is that right? She does. Fun fact. All right. Well, we're going uh, to head out. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Two Up Front. Special thanks to Marquette University men's soccer head coach Louis Bennett and his assistant, Sean Hughes, for joining us today. And also for Vavil USA soccer editor Chris Blakely for joining us as well. We want to hear from you guys. Let us know what your thoughts are about the show. You can find us on social media. Facebook, 2 Up Front. On Twitter, we are at 2 Up Front Soccer. He is at Baxter Colburn. I'm at Simon Provan. Check out our webpage, 2UpFrontSoccer.Wix.com backslash 2 Soccer. And email us, 2UpFrontSoccer at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. And you can uh, find us anytime, anywhere. Just get a hold of us. We love you. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for your support. Fridays, 2 to 5 Eastern on Sports Radio America, SportsRadioAmerica.com, and on the TuneIn app, and on demand anytime on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are 2 Upfront.
911, what's your emergency? Una camioneta. Una camioneta que se cruzan las vías. Y el tren. Ay, Dios mío. Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí. Yo pensé que que sería cruzar. El hijo iba rápido, creo, y después... Ay, Dios mío, qué horror. No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto. El tren no para. Mensaje de Nitsa. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.